0: My mistake that time. Thank you again, Bob. Ah, the fan's fine, thank you. How great is our God? That was a, um, a prayer we prayed on uh, the 23rd of November 2000. Uh, and that date is memorable because um, some events around the 22nd of November 2000 were quite challenging. We went to bed in our home in Papua New Guinea that night as we were in the custom of doing Um, everything was quiet and under control or so we thought Um, and then just on the stroke of midnight we heard glass breaking and the first response both Diana and I had was what is that son of ours doing in the kitchen at this time of night (laughs) and so I don't know why we both defaulted to that position but we did and so I got out of bed and made my way through the dark house uh, to the kitchen window and much to um, my, uh, what's the word, fear, anxiety I guess, uh, in the very poor illumination of a lonely security light that stood just on the edge of the house, I noticed a gang of rascals, criminals walking past they were identifiable because they were carrying machetes which was not unusual we all carried machetes but (laughs) one of them in particular had a gun and that was going to be a problem they tried to smash through one of the windows already that was the breaking glass Uh, they had been in the process or they were in the process of levering off the uh, the weld mesh which protected the louver windows And as I kind of went back, another window was broken, this time over Josh's bed. Fortunately, by that stage, this boy who was five and a bit, I think, was out of bed. Uh, In fact, we were all up and out of bed by that stage. And then the other door on the other side of the house sustained a very, very heavy assault. Uh, It was a, a solid wooden door, a little bit off the ground. We didn't use it. Fortunately, we had some furniture against it, but the gang of rascals attacked that door like there was no tomorrow. They were kicking it, they were chopping it, they were bashing it. The door managed to kind of spring part way open and it held on by one of those little security chains. You're familiar with those little hook-on chains? Yeah. Let me recommend them <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as at least a, a temporary measure. And in that moment, in those moments, those moments that seem to uh, be going on forever, uh, the door was being bashed, there was machetes chopping at the chain, there was a gun poking in, waving indiscriminately towards us. Fortunately, they couldn't sight us, so although it was only as far away as my hand, probably, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great danger to us, or at least I don't think it was. And uh, we were pushing back against the door with all of our might as though our lives depended on it, which probably... To some degree, they did. Partway through, while all of this is happening, our security guys, and we employed security because of these kind of issues, our security guys who had previously been ambushed and tied up, uh, managed to free themselves and came running down the hill. We lived uh, kind of on the edge overlooking a big swamp uh, million Dollar View, they came running down the hill uh, with their machetes and they were armed with rocks and stones, no guns. Uh, and the gun was withdrawn, it was fired in their direction so our security guys ran back up the hill again because uh, they wanted, unfortunately one of them was hit. Uh, and then the rascals kind to of slunk away into the stifling thickness of the dark swamp down below. And we did a couple of things immediately after that. We sat down on a chair that we had uh, brought from Australia. It was a kind of a garden chair that served in our lounge room. And the four of us, Laura was there, but she was only four months there, as in she hadn't been born yet, but she was there. Uh, We we sat and we said, thank you, Lord. Uh, Then we went outside and we surveyed the damage And then we went to bed and we didn't sleep a wink for the rest of the night. And I have never in my life longed to see the first light of morning like I did that day, the 23rd of November, the year 2000. The night just seemed to go on forever and ever. And the darkness seemed to just press in more and more. It's something uh, quite interesting about darkness, isn't there? I can remember as a child the hairs on the back of my head being raised if I was out walking in the dark somewhere lonely at night. You've probably had similar kinds of experiences, I suspect. And you could probably describe the kind of environment that you've been in where you've just felt a bit of anxiety because of darkness. Darkness has a sense of risk to it, doesn't it? Or a sense of foreboding, a sense of uh, danger or violence that could leap out at you at any moment. A lighter story happened some years prior to that. Uh, my family, my grandparents lived in Druin, West um, West Gippsland, and we were down there in Druin for Christmas tea. My cousins had come from Heath Hill towards Lang Lang and as kids we were playing outside as nighttime fell. And as it got darker, we started to play ghost games. You done those before? You know, try to scare one another, leap out from behind the trees or the bushes or the garden. It's not a super familiar place, so there was lots of places to hide. And we were having a great old time as darkness fell. It was just on dusk. And my father, who had been observing these goings goings on, thought in pretty much the same way I probably would, truth be told. He thought, here's an opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) And so he went inside to the house and he procured himself a white bedsheet and quietly secreted it up his shirt or something. Went outside, found a spot behind the hydrangeas, put on the white bedsheet, and waited until the moment arrived when we were totally unsuspecting and leapt out, making all of the appropriate ghouly sounds. And let me tell you, it didn't end well for the ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's this thing called fight or flight. Right, I, I defaulted to flight, as did most of my cousins. We took off, but my younger brother, who perhaps um, because of his proximity or perhaps simply because of the enormous fear that grabbed him in that stage, he took that poltergeist on like a threshing machine and he into it, I can still see it in my mind, this bedsheet that's being tangled around this father who's trying to get out saying no it's me it's me and this boy who was laying into it with feet and wrists and hands and and uh, it, it just didn't go well for dad and we might laugh at the incongruity of a situation like that but I'm guessing that every one of you can resonate with situations where uh, in darkness perhaps you've had that sense of foreboding Uh, that sense of unease, that sense of insecurity. Perhaps uh, you've walked along a lonely stretch of road at night where every sound that you hear adds to the sense of uneasiness or you're sitting home late at night waiting for a child to come home and uh, uh, the darkness seems to just press in and get closer and closer or you've had an argument with a spouse and you've had to go to bed but you can't sleep and the night time just seems filled with thoughts that race and are out of control and they're they're all over the place or you're facing important life choices or a health crisis and night times are hard work after a marriage breakdown perhaps the darkness of night seems to deepen and the darkness of loneliness is crushing you know I often say to couples when I'm preparing them for marriage do not ever discuss big issues in the dark don't make any big decisions in the dark and I can't explain the dynamic but it just seems to me that we lose perspective we lose the capacity to see the big picture in the middle of darkness and darkness isn't just physical either it's often used to describe uh, conditions uh, when mental health's particularly challenging it's metaphorically used uh, to describe darkness, uh, sorry, to describe anger. Have you ever watched someone and their brow has darkened? It's, uh, it's a word that's used to describe uh, the sense of when we lose hope or the struggle uh, to face unforgiveness or we find ourselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death in the darkness when we lose a loved one, when we're grieving a loss. And in the ancient Near east people were well acquainted with darkness here we are in a building flooded with lights inside a building flooded with light but in those days in Jesus day the setting of the sun ended the working day it also pretty much ended the productive day there wasn't much you could do in the light of a little oil lamp the all enveloping darkness was understood by biblical authors as something fearful and devious and threatening if you do a survey through the scriptures and turn to just about any reference to darkness you'll find it uh, as a negative kind of a reference if we go to somewhere like the book of job for example there's a number of uh, descriptions of darkness hebrews the author of hebrews in the new testament talks about darkness as something that's palpable you can reach out and touch it even sometimes And Job, as I said, uses a number of uh, illustrations to describe darkness. Darkness is that groping to find your way. Has anyone ever done that in the middle of the night, tried to find your way somewhere in the house? You're groping your way through to find something. Your inability to walk down a pathway because it's so dark. There are potential terrors in the darkness, according to Job chapter 24, verse 17. Darkness is where evildoers hide themselves and it's the haunt of the violent. Darkness is the cloak used by the adulterer to hide their indiscretions. It's in the night that these happen. And it's no surprise then that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, and we have this account in the Gospels, after Jesus was nailed to the cross, at the point of his death, darkness descended upon the land and settled there for three hours from the sixth to the ninth hour, that is about midday till 3pm. And we don't talk about the significance of this all that often, nor do we actually reflect on the impact that it must have had on the people who experienced it. Can you imagine how you would feel if at midday today, suddenly the land went dark? And stayed dark? Can you imagine the fear that would grip our hearts, the anxiety? What's going on? Back in... uh, 1976 going back a few years I remember a total eclipse Melbourne experienced a total eclipse and uh, in the finest sense we were told not to look at the light you know teachers parents everyone said don't look at the sun during the eclipse and mid-afternoon it it got darker and darker and then suddenly it was almost like night it was a sort of half light it wasn't totally black Uh, but it was weird but we knew it was coming we understood what it was all about. Some people set up experiments to be able to watch it and measure it and test it and video it. And, well, pho- photograph, f- take pictures of it, that word. <laughs> <laughs> but we understood it was come. Can you imagine that the anxiety that must have gripped the people in Jesus' day when darkness came upon the land? Because what happened in Jerusalem somewhere around AD 30 when this took place, was without explanation other than the darkness associated with the apparent victory of sin, uh, victory over the one who had declared himself to be the light of the world, the apparent victory of the powers of evil over Christ. And it would have terrified the population who must have thought something supernatural was taking place, and indeed it was. The powers of darkness had apparently had victory over Jesus the lights, satan had defeated it appeared the son of the living god and in the hours that followed the death of jesus they must have walked in darkness in disappointment in depression because if they'd anticipated his glorious reign as the messiah this was not how they thought it was going to work this was not how they understood it to uh, to, to pan out so to speak before uh, we relocated to wadonga we had a couple of acres down in mailers flat and I remember the very first night that we lived there uh, Laura said to me can we go for a walk down to the back fence the block was 40 meters wide 200 meters long so the back fence was a fair way down and so we put the outside light on over the back door and we grabbed the trusty dolphin torch which always stood by the door and we set off now let me just tell you that this 200 metres, well it's not, it was say 150 metres down to the back fence, was not your normal to, to the 150 metre walk because the block had some of those big, big ancient old gnarly gum trees. You know, the ones that have got broken bits and dead bits and they look for all the world like skeletons at night. And they were populated by possums that were going about their business so there were all sorts of unusual noises that were taking place in that space. And the paddocks around us had some cattle in them and cattle make weird sounds at night. You know, they cough and they grunt and they snort and occasionally you think someone's turned on a tap and it's, well, (laughs) just use your imagination. And we had a couple of horses in the paddock and to be frankly honest with you, I don't trust horses at all. And so that just added another layer of um, anxiety and I said to Laura as we were leaning back against the fence way down there with the light of the house way off in the distance I said would you like to stay down here by yourself and she answered my question in about two hundredths of a second she said no way and I don't blame her because on that August night back then I did not leave her down there by herself and God doesn't leave us in the dark either. And here today we celebrate that. Though the powers of darkness had seemingly overcome Jesus who claimed to be the light of the world, God's answer was, no way, that is not the end of the story. I am not leaving it this way. No way is it ending now. Though Jesus' closest disciples and friends were shrouded in the clouds of uh, uncertainty, of darkness, of confusion. God was not done with the story. God had, in fact, been writing this story from the beginning of creation, planning for this moment, this thing that we might call the fulcrum of history, the moment in which the whole of history turns, the resurrection of Christ, the moment when God did his finest, complete work, so that we might be able to be in relationship with him. And so on this Easter Sunday churches across the world will be turning to passages like Luke chapter 24 verses 2 to 7 which says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with uh, you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day and be raised again. Over these past few weeks here at Wodonga District Baptist Church, we've been considering some of the titles or names given to or used by Jesus, one of which is of deep relevance here on Easter Sunday, Jesus, Light of the World. It's rather interesting, isn't it, that in this account of the resurrection, it starts with the women travelling to the tomb very early in the morning at the first light And those of you even vaguely familiar with the Scripture will know that it frequently uses light as an image in contrast to darkness. And it's a contrast that we find even in our uh, language, isn't it? I'm feeling really light today. Uh, There is a light on the horizon. While darkness is often descriptive of evil or unrighteousness or sin, light frequently through the Scripture is a description of God. What was the first thing? Uh, that God spoke into existence at the beginning of creation, the very first act, let there be what? Let there be lights. And it's no wonder that uh, when Paul uh, is writing, he links this amazing transformation at creation to the experience of Christian conversion. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul said, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This work of creating light at creation is linked to what happens when we accept Christ as Lord. There's light that enters our lives. And it's a remarkable thing. Paul understood that of all the references to light throughout the Scriptures, many of them that describe God, ultimately they have their focus on Jesus the Messiah. On Jesus who made that declaration in John chapter 8 verse 11 when he was speaking to the people and he said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life and it is a remarkable promise and it can be taken as truth not because Jesus said it anyone could have said it but because he did it he overcame darkness He overcame death, he overcame sin. And at the start of the Gospel of John, you will find Jesus repeatedly identified there as the light who has come into the world, a light that the darkness neither understood nor overcame. And we take light for granted in our lives, don't we? We transform our dark cities into places of light I'm sure that you've done what I've done. You know, you've gone into a dark cupboard in your house and you've tried, you've fumbled around looking for something and then eventually you've given up and turned on the light, which you should have done in the first place. The invitation of Easter that we give to you today here from Wodonga is this, to allow the light of Jesus to light your life. And there's lots of good reasons to respond to this invitation. Jesus, the light, exposes that in us which is unholy or ungodly or unrighteous or downright rebellious against God. It shows us what is wrong. It exposes what we call sin. The light of Christ drives out the darkness in our hearts that seems to overwhelm us and reveals to us that which is right and that which is wrong. Put simply, those whose lives are characterized by the light of Christ no longer walk in sin and rebellion against god the light of christ in us assures us that we will never again walk in darkness as we walk with the light of christ we are held safe by him our salvation is assured his promises of life are secure and not just for the future but now jesus the light in our lives helps us to see god's perspective on the challenges that we face He exposes things for us. He shows us the truth by His Spirit. He illuminates the way forward as we make decisions. He brings clarity for us in relationships. He shows us the way through things that we have to choose. And the light of Christ guides us safely home to our eternal dwelling with God, illuminating the pathway of salvation that we might have eternal life. As I alluded to earlier in the service, there is another story. There are those and the scriptures speak of those who can't stand the lights, who would prefer to stay in the darkness because they don't want their deeds, their pride, their self-sufficiency, their rebellion, their selfishness to be exposed or seen for what they are. But the word of God tells us there will be a day when it's exposed to the lights. Back in December 1939, In one of the darker days, I guess, in uh, British history, King George VI quoted and made famous a poem by Minnie Louise Haskin. Some of you might know it. It goes like this. Bearing in mind he was speaking at the end of the year. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might tread safely in the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be better than a light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God trod gladly into the night and he led me toward the hills and the breaking of day in the east. Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be better to you than a light and safer than a known way. Let's pray together. Lord, the invitation of this Easter Resurrection Sunday is to put our hands into the hand of God and let the light of Christ illuminate our way. Lord God, we thank you again today for coming and living amongst us and shining the light and love of God with us. We thank you for Jesus who said, I am the light, the true light that has come. Lord Jesus, you have illuminated the way for us. You have shown us what life is. You have shown us how to uh, walk with you in light. You have given us your spirit who lives in us and is the light of Christ in us, the spirit of Christ who dwells in our hearts, who walks with us, who uh, is our help, our comforter, our strength, the one who helps us as we make decisions, the one who helps us in our walk with you, the one who helps us Uh, stay away from those things that are ungodly or displeasing to you. Lord, we would pray today that as we celebrate together your goodness to us, we might too be light, that we might shine brightly the light of Christ to the lives of those around about us, that we might be the light of Christ in our friends, uh, in relationships with our friends, we might be the light of Christ in relationship with our families, that we might be the light of Christ in the day-to-day interactions that we have with people, whether it's in the shopping centre or in the workplace or as we walk through the gardens or down the street, wherever we might be, because you are light and you long that all people should dwell in the light. Lord Jesus, we glorify you today as the living God, the one who is here amongst us. We give you praise for your love. We thank you for the invitation that you give to us to put our hands into your hands. Lord, there's some here today who have yet to do that. We just pause in this moment to allow that opportunity for you to speak and in, and in speaking, put that invitation to to reach out, to receive light. God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.